morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. And welcome to Endurance Chat, the Bathurst 1000 episode, which is an episode which I get to host, Chris Riddell, look out everybody. And making sure this doesn't go too far off the rails, Michael Zalavari, good evening sir. Hey, I'm trying to push this off the rails, this is <laughs> going to be great, this is the best one. <laughs> yes, Bathurst 1000, it's the race that you and I just completely grew up on, it's a race we absolutely love. Yeah, for those who don't know, V8 Supercars, 1,000 Ks, 161 laps of the best damn racetrack in the world. Yeah, it's pretty up there. <laughs> and and for those who have gotten into the Bathurst 12 Hour in the recent years and seen how fantastic an event that is for the international stage, it is an entirely different level when it comes to the 1,000. For, for, for Kiwi and I, uh, growing up watching this race, it has been... It's like our motor. It's our version of Le Mans. It's our version of Spa Francorchamps. It's our Monaco. It's our motorsport heaven, mm-hmm. and nothing comes close, except Le Mans. Le Mans comes a little close, but Bathurst, Bathurst for Australians is just yeah. something entirely different. Yes, six point two kilometers of some of the craziest racetrack you're going to see, which can really be described in two halves. You've got two and a half k's of going flat out with right hand corners, and three and a half k's of Oh my god, I'm going to crash. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And we've done we've done track reviews yeah. on this track many many a time before, we're, and they're yeah. always fantastic. Yeah, but we're not we're not going to we're not going to do it. Go into the track just as say we've walked it. It's fun. Go to there if you haven't gone there yet. And a hundred percent, I'm sure people say the same thing about Spa Francorchamps or the same thing about Le Mans. Walk the track. You need to see it in person because I don't think you can properly appreciate how steep sections like the cutting or the dipper are until mm. you are standing tilted over at the at this section going how do cars even get up here it's just absolutely phenomenal it's i i i still have gravel rash on my jaw from walking the whole <laughs> thing with my jaw on the floor the first time we did it yes it's for that sort of place uh, if you want a track preview shout out to a youtuber josh reville he's a kiwi who does, normally does formula one videos that are pretty damn good uh, supercar Bathurst 1000 preview. Ew, gross. He actually, I know, right? But he he actually did a pretty good preview. So after you listen to us and find out who you think is going to win this race, go watch that video. It's a really good guide as well. Uh, but this race, um, before we talk about the race itself, we should talk about a couple of the key notes coming into it. Going into this race, though, it's the 60th time we've been at Bathurst, and it's possibly one of the most poignant times we're going there because this is going to be the one of the last years that the Australian flavor is going to be in the full swing. That's because yeah. Holden, the Australian, the Australian car company Holden, then badge the car that's been in Australia psyche for since 1940s is going away. Oh, before that, even mm. I think Holden itself as a company exists down into the 1800s. Um, with, uh, because it used to be a saddle company initially, mm. um, so yeah, it's a it's a massive loss for the the motorsport industry. And truth be told, the Australian uh, manufacturing industry and just as, uh, really Australia in general, yeah, not eighteen fifty six as a saddlery mm. in uh, in an, in Adelaide is how long Holden has been a a company for, and uh, its representation in motorsports in Australia and particularly at Bathurst. 
being the winningest manufacturer of the 1000 kilometer uh, endurance classic mm-hmm. yeah it's it's gonna be a, a big finale for for holden yeah. uh at, at the mountain it'd be like it'd be like uh porsche no longer doing the nurburgring or um or daytona or daytona or le mans any sports car race just going nut we're done yeah losing the holden nameplate is that big a deal to this race of course you, yeah. you look at the nameplates that they've had you know the tirana the you know the commodore the the uh, i think the what else was there? I've lost my Wikipedia um, page. That I had a Monaro, Monaro, of course. A few races at uh, at the one. Oh, sorry, the twelve hour and the twenty four hours run. Mm-hmm. Won the twenty four hour. The Monaro. Has. Of course, in the other days, the Monaro sixty eight, sixty nine, one here. Yeah. Um. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's, and since eighty two, it's been the Commodore through and through, and yeah. they're through some of those years with some of the most dominant race cars you could have. Like I think back to, um. You know, the early 2000s, it was Mark Scaife and Todd Cully, Greg Murphy. Of course, you'd think about those years with Greg Murphy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kiwi, Bludger. <laughs> now, um, I think even further back to, to the Peter Brock era, I think it was 1983 where mm. uh, he won by, was it six laps? Yeah. In, uh, no, that wasn't 83 that he won by six laps. Uh, that was the year that he actually stole his, his, his brother's car. But there was one year that he won won the race by six laps with uh, with uh, Jim Richards, uh, setting the fastest lap on the last lap of the race as well. So uh, yeah, those those particular cars in that era, the Tiranas were absolutely unstoppable, and uh, yeah, Peter Brock was a big part of that as well. Hmm. And technically speaking, the first car to win this endurance race when it was at Phillip Island was a Vauxhall, which is yeah. General Motors Volvo, uh, General <laughs> Volvo, General Motors Holden, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously it's going to have a massive impact going forward. Holden were planning to pull out of Australia end of this year. That I believe is still going ahead because of COVID. Uh, the nameplate we'll probably see in the race cars till next year, but then we'll see the next car regulations go along. You expect to see the Holden nameplate disappear, and we wait and see to see to see what actually comes out as a result. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting time. I'd be surprised. I, I would be incredibly surprised if they uh, changed the uh, the chassis name or mark or whatever for next year. I, I think they will be comfortable enough to run that for another season without changing the, the nameplate. Um, but yeah, as far as what the future holds with the Gen 3 regulation cycle being put off till 2022 as well, uh, it kind of signals a perfect time if GM still wants to be involved to bring a different product mm-hmm. or to chase another manufacturer and see if we can find someone else who wants to become Australia's new darling car manufacturer for a little while. Yeah. Um, we've seen, you know, Walkinshaw basically are going to do the General Motors Special Vehicles division. So they may have a, a Camaro and there's been rumours of that. Um. There's been rumours of, uh, I think it is BMW, have been yep. pursued. And I still reckon you'll see a Kia some point down the track as well. Well, uh, Kia's been talked about since the birth of these regulations and it hasn't happened yet. I'm, uh, I'd mm. love to see a Kia in it because they were, the, the Stinger is the car that these regulations are made for, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, Dingo's po- posted in chat, Auris. 
No, for two reasons. One, it's a limo. <laughs> and two, I don't think a Russian limo company is going to want to race in Australia. Yeah, this is true. I don't think they have a market here. Uh, a name that has been floated around, which I think might not be as far-fetched, is Mazda. Uh, yeah. With the, the, the new Mazda 6, I think that would be a car that would suit the, uh, the Gen 3 regulations, as well as uh, Toyota uh, with the Camry. Yes, that would be... They're both great options. And there was a Toyota, I think it was a Supra mock-up. I saw on Speed Cafe, which was looking quite tasty. Oh, but the Supra's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's all, we're in a very interesting time as far as that goes. The problem is, I think, for this series to succeed going forward, and this is going to sound really controversial, Australia needs to drop its obsession with the V8. Shock horror. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, there, There is a certain school of thought uh, in Australia, and particularly thanks to the sort of large distances that we have to drive, where, you know, you need the family-sized V8 sedan to sort of get around not so much the cities, but if you ever do anything rural, which for a long time that's, that was true because, you know, those engines... Uh, and those manufacturers, particularly Ford and Holden, have been reliable and have tested their engines in motorsport, funnily enough, to prove their reliability. Hey, where have we heard that before? It's almost mm. as if motorsport's a good test ground for these things. Um, but as modern technology has sort of caught up with the requirements for, you know, driving 10 hours in 40-degree heat, uh, that has become less of a consideration, I think. I totally agree with that like for example my 1.1 liter mitsubishi mirage can easily sit at 110 on the freeway and for 95 percent of australians that's all they want yeah pretty much i don't need, you don't need also, a v8 anymore your, to do that your 1.1 liter mirage is an absolute abomination you should be embarrassed every single time you drive it hey it's a, it's a great it's mulberry no. purple it's no, there's nothing good about it. Especially <laughs> not when it's in freaking like lilac purple. That's not okay, Keely. Mulberry, pur <laughs> mulberry purple. Get it right. Mulberry purple then. Potato, tomato. Either way. We can't all have an alpha. Huh? We can't no, all. Well, I mean, yeah, shut up. I love my car. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think if we can get around that, get some V6s. Maybe some tw tw the twin turbo V6 that Holden were developing would have been a great solution, but it just didn't get the buy-in. So engines yeah. like that, perfect. Yeah, I am still confused as to why that got shut down because that would have been like the perfect. I don't know. Anyway, that's a yeah. whole that's a whole another conversation for another podcast that we should definitely do, but probably won't get around to. Exactly. So, should we talk about this year then? So instead of trying to crystal ball two years into the future, we'll crystal ball into one weekend in the future. Twenty twenty has. As we know, 2020 has been an interesting year worldwide with some virus going around. Don't, don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, no, I haven't heard of it. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, so COVID-19 has had a massive impact around the world and Australia has not been immune in the slightest. So this season has been, shall we say, slightly affected. We got off perfectly fine in Adelaide, but since then it's just been absolute they, chaos. Changeable, flexible. Yes, flexible yeah. is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, Adelaide was went off without a hitch, uh, mm -hmm. and this was before we really knew what we were getting into with regards to the whole uh, COVID-19 situation. And we had two very good races in Adelaide, um, featuring a win for the two, what would become the championship protagonists, uh, one for Wink Up in race one, and one for McLaughlin in race two. And importantly, 
um, which we'll talk a bit more about on the back end. A, a DNF for Shane Van Gisbergen in that second race from what would have been third position. So uh, uh, not a great start on the streets of Adelaide for him. And then we went over to Melbourne and the entire world shut down that weekend. Uh, it was, yeah, well, they were they had what the Australian TCR cars and the first race of the eight supercars going to be not the e- first two sessions of the race. Not even the first, yeah, not even the first race, just basically the first two qualifying sessions. That was it. Yeah, exactly. So that was the weekend that the world shut down on March thirteenth, uh, and it took a few months for the season to get restarted, and it got restarted out on in Western Sydney uh, with the the Super Sprint out mm-hmm. at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park where they did uh, a variety of different tire rules to, to cut down on costs, to relieve personnel and to not have to bring like the expensive fueling rigs. And we saw a, a few surprise winners, two wins from Nick Perkat in uh, the three weekend, or sorry, the two weekends out at Sydney Motorsport Park, three from Scott McLaughlin and Jack LeBrock adding his name to the first time winners list. Um, Excellent. At the, yeah, at Sydney Motorsport Park, kind of showing. And that second, that last race as well there, we had Jack LeBrock, uh, Todd Hazelwood, Andre Heimgartner, and uh, Todd. Ha- oh, I did already say Todd Hazelwood, didn't I? You did. That was that was a glorious podium. It was a really cool podium. Yeah, all the first timers sort of in that little mix. Uh, then we went up to the top end. Yes. Uh, before you, before that, I should mention at that point as well, Melbourne went to holy crap lockdown. Yeah. Basically, stage four. Point- nothing could happen here. And at that point as well, there were still plans to go to Sandown and Phillip Island uh, mm. instead of the Bend. But in- so- instead of that, teams had 48 hours notice. The five teams based in Melbourne had 48 hours notice to get across the border. Yeah. And they, and haven't, and was- they, haven't, and they haven't been back since. And yeah, that's that's something we should definitely make mention of as well. While we've been doing, while the, the V8 Supercars Circus has been doing this great top end tour with, you know, two weekends in Townsville, two weekends in Darwin, and then two weekends at the Bend, uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, personnel who have been away from their families for a long time, you know, talking, what, this was June that the, the Super Sprint happened, the Sydney Super Sprint? Yes. Uh, so, you know, this is now... 10 oh sorry five months since then that we're talking about people being away from their families and their loved ones and that takes a toll that yeah. takes a toll sleeping in hotels takes a toll eating restaurant food or crappy takeaway takes a toll hmm. and it has been seen some interesting things we talked about the rule changes that have been made and also personnel changes um teams have been very limited on personnel they could have those restrictions those restrictions have been relaxed for Bathurst but also things like engines and things like that you haven't necessarily been able to take care of the engines as well as you could yeah and we'll talk more about that when we start talking about particular teams particular Mm. drivers but we've seen a very interesting mix throughout all these races uh especially uh at uh darwin and townsville i think you saw some really surprising results uh, not mm. so much for the winners, but for those who were in the mix, those who were looking for those top fives and some really big improvers in that group as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, moving moving on, it was Townsville was a fantastic double hitter. Um, while the results up front were somewhat predictable, out, out back, mind you, that last Townsville race was pretty epic. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Townsville was a pretty good race weekend. If you haven't watched Town, Townsville, and I'm talking to a few of you who I know will be listening to this podcast and who are a few rounds behind on Supercars action, catch up because those Townsville, round, Townsville rounds in particular were great. Mm. And then we moved down to your neck of the woods, Darbend, to, Darbend. to race on 
two separate layers of the track, which was I thought was an interesting touch. Yeah, I, I quite liked the idea. I didn't catch mm. a lot of the racing live because, of course, it was the first weekend was Le Mans weekend, so I didn't watch any of the racing live. I caught up on the week after, and that was on the on the, the standard circuit. It was, you know, quite good. And then they moved to what's called the West Circuit, the shorter configuration uh, for the second race. And I, threw, I, I thought it threw a, a nice, interesting spanner in the works. It was a, a, a configuration that no one had really seen before, mm-hmm. uh, and it threw out a bit of a different challenge. The only problem I had with them running the West Circuit was that my favorite part of the standard circuit is turns 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. It's like that entire section they cut out. But either way, I thought the racing was much better than it has been at the Bend in previous years. And I can point to one reason why that is. That's because they used the right goddamn tires for it. Yes. Ah. Yes. Who would have thought changing the things that make contact with the road makes the racing better? Yeah, who would have thought if you've got a billiard table smooth surface, mm. putting soft tyres on it would give people grip and would enable them to do stuff like make crazy moves mm. and challenge the position I mean, I f- instead of giving them rocks and expecting <laughs> them to drive around on them. I mean, I think also having a meh attitude to track limits in the West Circuit also helped. Yeah, especially <laughs> in the in the in that dive into what became Turn 6. It was yeah. like... Yeah, you can use all the runoff there. What's the worst that can yeah. happen? You can, you can use the runoff that extends out half a kilometre. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of all of that, we come to the last round at Bathurst. The first time I think we've had the last round here in quite some time. Over a decade? I honestly couldn't tell you because mm. I, in my entire knowledge of watching this event... It has been, there has been at least one round afterwards, it, normally either Phillip Island or uh, Surface Paradise or Sandown. Or New Zealand. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I, it must be back as far as the Brock days that it's been the last round of the series. Yeah. I think, I think it might have been the last round when they had the split. 1998? Yeah. Let's have a quick mosey. I'm not sure. It doesn't say. Okay. But either way, being the last round of the championship, it it would have given us an interesting dilemma. Do you go for Bathurst or do you go to conserve and win the championship? As it stands, we don't have to worry about this year because the championship's actually been won already. Uh, Do we want to have that conversation? Because I think we can have that conversation and... Or we can just leave it because it doesn't really matter. All I was going to say was congratulations, Scott McLaughlin. Enjoy IndyCar next year. Yay, <laughs> Scott McLaughlin. Just just a touching note on Penske. Uh, we, we mentioned this last year and we saw what happened last year. And then again this year in regards to this championship, he does one thing very, very well, and that is win. And he does everything he can in his power to win and it does not surprise me at all that it has taken him only two or three seasons to put together a unit that has taken the fun out of winning <laughs> yes just the all-conquering it's it, it's oppressive victory that's yeah. what i uh, that's the penske operation it's oppressive victory just everything is about winning and you can say whether or not that's a good thing for the uh for the the spirit of the sport certainly at bathurst last year it came to a head but in the at the end of the day, you have to admire and respect the uh, the ability of the Penske operation wherever they are in the world to win. Yes, yes, you do. Um, second place has been well, it's not sewn up, but it's as good as 
Yeah, there's only really two drivers mathematically uh, able to take second place from Jamie Winkoff, and they are Cameron Waters and Shane Van Gisbergen. And, and mm. Gizzy's had such a tumultuous season that honestly he should have been in that title fight as well. But that's another again, that's another conversation. We really should have been doing supercars chat this season. It would have been a very interesting co- podcast. It would have been. It would have been. Sorry that I'm so terrible at it. Ah, uh, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the team's championships pretty well decided as well. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Dropping the gun here, are you, Kiwi? Yeah. Because I am. Yeah. Okay, tell us about the team championship. Okay, so the team championship at the moment is very, very interesting. You'd argue that some of the team principles are focus more on the team's championship than the driver's championship. I'd say that's BS, but when you're fighting for something, you can go for both titles if you want. Uh, So the gap between the two uh, major teams, the Shell V Power Racing, which is DJR Team Penske and uh, Red Bull Triple Eight is only 100 points, and that is off the back of a stellar result, uh, a stellar performance at the West Circuit from Fabian Coulthard to really bring the Penske charge back on track. Because Coulthard had a shocking top end journey, uh, particularly Townsville. Like, oh no, it was particularly Hidden Valley that was bad for him. Um, and then with Van Gisbergen's and uh, Winkup's troubles at various points of that last bend weekend, uh, that that. Uh, battle is sort of switched back so 100 points that's not really all that much especially when there's 300 on offer for the win so that'll go down to the absolute wire and i think you'll have people pulling out the calculators in the late later part of the race to sort of work out where that one sits uh but i want to talk less about that part of the team's championship because <laughs> you know that's just a head-to-head fight that's fine i want to talk about what is the absolute schmozzle between fourth and eighth for the team's championship because you have six teams there, six teams, five teams there, separated by 110 points. So that is yeah. a unbelievably close run thing. And I've been doing the points updates in the sidebar for the team championship on the V8 Supercars subreddit. And every time I go back to it, it's just an entirely different picture. So you've got uh, the second tick team, Erebus Motorsport, Brad Jones Racing, Walker Shore Andretti, and Team 18 within 110 points it's that's mm-hmm. that's really gonna be a very interesting way to shape the beginning of next season yep and that's with 576 points on offer yeah that's a maximum that you can take yeah so it's going to lead to all in all a very interesting and a bathurst like we've never seen before for quite a number of reasons yeah we- it's there's a there's a lot of little special things that we can get into yeah uh First thing we should mention, first time since 1964 that it's Australia-New Zealand grid only. Yes. Which is absolutely insane to me to think about that. Um, also, there's only been four driver combinations that are the same this year compared to last. And that, to me, was the most surprising thing to hear. The fact that there's been such a, a change in the off-season that has reflected a change in the co-drivers. Uh, only four out of, what, 24 entries? 25 20, entries? 25 entries this year, yes. Yeah, it's just incredible that there was that uh, that few changes. Mm. Oh, sorry, that many changes, that few teams holding over. Yes. Should we get into it then? Absolutely, Kiwi. All right. So we're going to do this in reverse pit garage order, um, starting with the wild card for this race. Gary Rogers, it's good to see you back, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he freaking caused a bit of a ruckus on his way back, didn't he? With... <laughs> oh, he... Yes, he caused an absolute storm. Yeah. But this year, driving the number 40 uh, Commodore, 
with a 21-year-old Tyler Everingham and 19-year-old Jaden Ojeda. So these are two names that would be very familiar to those who watch Super 2 or Super 3 in previous years. Uh, Everingham will also be well-known amongst those who watch the 12-hour for the terrifying crash in the uh, qualifying session on Saturday at the 12-hour. He was the one driving the Mark car that tried to escape the circuit at Skyline. Uh, so that's Tyler Everingham, and it's fantastic to see him back in a drive. There was some concern from him and his uh, team, uh, as in like his support team and his management team, that he, because of the nature of that accident uh, and the uh, financial burden as well, that he may not be able to find a ride uh, and to be able to fund a ride rather. Um, but he's been able to get some decent sponsorship behind him and find a way back into driving supercars. And yeah, a well-deserved seat uh, for him. And Jaden Odeja, uh, Ojeda, sorry, uh, a very, very late ring-in after what has been the saga of mm. the the Bathurst lead-in. Of, God, I, yes. I am so fed up with this. I want you to explain it. I can't, I can't deal with this. Okay, so it was originally going to be Tyler Everingham, the 19-year-old. And a bloke called Nathan Hearn, who's 17. Now, we have seen 17-year-olds race here before. I think that Cameron Ward is when he won his uh, reality TV show race with Grant Denyer. But Nathan Hearn has raced Trans Am 2 cars, which is not actually a race series sanctioned by Motorsport Australia. That meant he, even though he's doing well in that class, he did not have the points necessary to get a super license to race in this series. The application for him to get an exemption refused. Gary Rogers threatened court action, withdrew that only on Friday, and we have Jaden O'Jaden now. And if I recall correctly, they also threatened to entirely pull the car yes. uh, if Hearn wasn't given permission to race. So which, which is a bit shonky. It was it was an absolute saga, really. Mm. I, I, I have my own thoughts about this. What are your thoughts? Uh, do you think that Motorsport Australia and V8 Supercars made the correct decision in denying the uh, exemption for the super license? Absolutely. Okay, talk us through your reasoning. Well, I look at this from a, from a sports hat, sports management hat, and you don't want to reward people who race in an unsanctioned series, for one. You don't want a 17-year-old rookie at Australia's most dangerous racetrack, for two, in a car that... Okay, it's going to be an okay car, but it's a wild card. And once you set this as a precedent, it's going to stop people trying to take the mickey later on. We saw it a few years ago with the... Who was it? Was it the... It wasn't the Kostikis. Who was it I'm thinking of? Russell's? Russell, Ruin yes. Aaron? Yes, yeah. yes. And when they let them race and they were dog purred. Purred? Even dog... then, though, they were Super 2 competitors as mm. well. So they were they... they were on Broadway. Yeah. I think in... Yes, TA2 cars may be similar... In some aspects, but they're not a supercar. Go through the correct channels or prove yourself first before trying to race at Bathurst. Yeah, I I agree. I think that the requirements for a super license aren't necessarily as uh, strict as they could be. And uh, Hearn, despite his good results in TA2, uh, has not met those requirements. And it's... Yeah, it would be unjust to offer him an ex- uh, exemption um, when he hasn't met that criteria, despite how 
how much his ability is. And we know Gary's got a great eye for picking kids with ability. Um, but on the other hand as well, Gary Rogers uh, has made his bed and now has to lie in it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, deciding to whatever the circumstances may be with, uh, with the relationship that they had with Peter Addington and Boost Mobile and that old sponsorship drama from last year, they decided to leave supercars and focus on their own series, uh, building uh, cars for uh, Australian TCR and for Super 5, uh, S5000 and TA2 as well. And they've very much thrown their hat in the ring with AASA, uh, which is the sanctioning body for those series mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think this move is a bit of a you could say like a bit of a political strong arming in a position position they really didn't have the uh the leverage in maybe it it kind of speaks to a bit of uh naivety and a bit of uh you know yeah just that sort of that sort of uh, nature with it and they've come out since and said you know, they're really gutted for Hearn uh, and they feel like they've uh, destroyed his supercar's career. I'm like, the dude's 17. If he's got talent, someone else will come and swoop him up. Yeah, if he's got the talent and the money, someone like a Team Sydney would snap him up. Okay, might not be the best ride, but still it's a supercar ride. I think I think the issue that people have been talking about is the money aspect. He doesn't really have, uh, you know, big family money behind him. So his only real hope to get into supercars is to to find a sponsor and to go that way. And I think uh, Gary Rogers was adamant that this would be a pathway for him into that. But if he's got the talent and he's got the the skill to be running in TA2, someone has eyes on that category and someone will pick him up and grab it. Hey, Gary, if you, if you want to put your money where your mouth is, Super 3, get him a car. Let's see how he goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Having said that, let's get back onto the car itself because... Yeah. I reckon, come the end of Sunday, if this car finishes, there'll be some established teams with the egg on their face. This, uh, this these are quick young guys for a top ten. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this will a... be a smoky for a top ten. Everingham and Ojeda have experience in supercars and are good steerers. So, mm. yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. And we have have seen a history of wildcards doing amazing things at Bathurst. Do you think back to was it Prio and? Uh, Ekstrom? Yes, it was. Who finished in the top ten in and a triple the... eight prepared? Uh, wildcard and the xbox machine yeah and that was like no one gave them a chance and then all of a sudden they were sitting in the top 10 and they were mm. one lap down it was like what yeah so i yeah i mean tyler everingham won the the kumo series which is a super three now in 2018 uh jaden ojada won formula four he's currently fifth in this year's series after finishing second super three 2019 so these guys are the 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 jamie wink up and uh, Jason Richardson of 2002, 2001. These guys will be names to watch in seasons to come. Absolutely. So keep an eye out on that car. It's not going to win unless chaos reigns, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun car to watch. And it is Bathurst. It is so Bathurst. It could be possible. <laughs> and it's just awesome to see Gary Rogers back at the track. Yeah. And the car that, looks that right in the mid too. I haven't actually seen the livery yet. Oh, wait, no, it's kind of like, it's trying to be BMW, but not, right? Yeah, That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So we'll move on to our four season competitors now, starting with Team Sydney. Now, this car, this team is uh, a new team. It's basically Techno Autosports rebranded and relocated to Sydney Motorsport Park as a result of a deal between supercars and the state government there. Drivers here in the car, car number 19, Alex Davison and Jono Webb. 
Car 22, Chris Pither and the evergreen Steve Owen. What do you make of this lineup? Well, on one hand, I've been thoroughly unimpressed with Team Sydney. Their tumultuous start to the season with... Uh, not securing a second driver, not securing sponsorship for that second driver, not securing money to pay that first driver, which then left the team forcing them to find another first driver in the whole space of like three or three weeks. Uh, it didn't really speak volumes for the confidence of that team. However, Jonathan Webb has a Bathurst 1000 victory in a team, in a car that he like built and ran himself into in, in Techno Autosports. So... I, uh, I I want to write them off completely, but you just can't, is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Of course, James Courtney did start the season with this mob. This mob. This mob. Love it. And he lasted all of one round. And he basically said... Uh, uh, didn't he come out at the time that basically said, John Webb's no longer my friend, reading between the lines? It, it, they basically... Yeah, they ba- he basically... From my understanding, he basically didn't get paid, and yeah. Webb told him to suck it. Yeah. So, Which is yeah. great team management, guys. Oh, it's it's kind of interesting, intriguing, and kind of disappointing, the stories that have come out about uh, how that team has been run and managed. Mm. Uh, of course, I was a big fan of that team through the Van Gisbergen era because Gizzy was my favorite driver, and they seemed to do a lot better then, um, you know, combining their V8 supercars exploits alongside their uh, McLaren GT program. But since 2017... It seems like something has happened in that team and it has become a very negative place to be. Mm-hmm. It, that's what that's the impression that I get. That's what the stories seem to say. Um, and they've suffered a lot of brain drain. So all the people like Steve Hallam, Campbell Little, those guys have all ended up either in other roles or in supercars. And so it just doesn't seem to have the cohesion mm-hmm. that you'd want from a team. Also, car number 19, Alex, Aven- Alex Davidson's car, missed two races at Benalla because they had didn't have a spare engine for him, which mm. is almost unforgivable in these days of supercar racing. And outside of a top, outside of a fifth place at Hidden Valley for Chris Pither, this team's really done nothing of note. Yeah, so we're saying don't put... Uh, if you put your wagon on the, the team... Eight, oh, sorry, the Team Sydney wagon... Uh, you're probably going to be disappointed. In fact, just to hammer home how disappointing their season has been, they are currently last in the team's championship behind the uh, Matt Stone Racing, Gary Jacobson, and constantly swapping rookie car of yep. Zane Goddard and Jake Kostecki. So. Yep. And that team, like Chris Pith is a handy driver. He's better than 24th on the grid. Yeah, yep. I, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And Alex Davison, of course, WEC. <laughs> has has driven in WEC, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. So, moving on to that car, you, the cars you mentioned to it, Matt Stone Racing. Uh, second year of operation for this car, two-car two team for this race. Uh, car 35, Gary Jacobson and David Russell, one of the oldest heads in the field. And that rookie car you talked about, the 34, both rookies sharing it, Zane Goddard, Jake Kostecki. I know you love this team. What do you make of the cars? So, uh, there's mixed feelings with this car. So, I think David Russell is a great pickup uh, just to bring some experience to this team because that's one thing that this team and these drivers are lacking, and that's experience. And Russell has it in spades. I mean, uh, drove with Tickford, uh, has driven with Kelly Racing in the past, and 
I think also drove... Uh, yeah, the, I think the Kelly Racing one I'm remembering is when he and Simona Di Silvestro were partnered together and they managed to be very late in the race in seventh or eighth position before uh, a, a quick, a brief rain shower actually put Simona on the curb and into the pit wall, uh, which was very unfortunate because I think that result would have silenced a lot of critics around her driving ability. As Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. So he has experience and he is generally pretty safe uh, behind the wheel of the car. Uh, Zane Goddard and Jake Stecky, the, the super lights arrangement, I'm not really sure if they've gotten what they wanted out of that, swapping each round. Um, they've managed to make it work, I guess, because as it so happens, each driver's got a round at each track. Um, but I don't quite think the circumstances this year has enabled them to get the best out of that. I mean, I think that Maddie Stone's happy enough because they're talking about getting a third REC next year. Oh, that's exciting. And put yeah, they're giving both rookies the full-time gig. Wow. Yeah, that would be that would be I think better for both of their driver development and for the team's engineering development as well. Hmm. Um uh, I'll be honest, I like both rookies. Oh, absolutely. Uh Goddard and Kostecki again are going to be some of the future drivers to watch. Hmm. Probably I um, I think Jake Kostecki is probably going to have the leg up. In my opinion, uh, having said that, I think Jake Kostecki is probably the, the the least best of the three Kosteckis. But Zane Goddard, he is the real deal. He finished fourth last year driving in Nissan for MW Motorsport in the Super Two Series. He's also driven yeah. for Brad Jones in Super Two, and he ra- he raced in the Formula Renault Cup, Euro Cup before that as well. With well, Arden, okay. I don't know that uh, about uh, good old Zane. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Didn't Zane also end up? getting the win at the Super 2 race at Bathurst last year yes, uh, after Brock, no, not Brock Feedy, pardon me, um, Bryce Forward got a penalty for going to, setting a fastest lap, setting a new lap record in, yellow. <laughs> uh, while there was a yellow flag. Yeah. yeah. One of the dumbest officiating decisions that are actually correct I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Yeah. And of course, both these guys are 20. Don't yeah, you feel so old? Again, future of Australian motorsport. So, I think, obviously, the 35 is the better of these two pairings. You agree? Yeah. I, the ex- Jacobson's a more experienced driver, and Russell is a much more experienced co-driver. So, yeah. I think they will be leading the way for the rookies to sort of follow. Agreed. Uh, but I don't expect it to be near the top 10. Gary, Gary Jacobson just hasn't had that great of a year. No. That's not to say he's not a... Terrible driver. He's a great driver. A pretty good driver. He just hasn't had a chance to show it yet. Uh, yeah, this result was 7th at Sydney Motorsport Park. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Moving on to, I think, everyone's surprise packet of the year, Team 18. Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. It's been, uh, they've been definitely one of the teams that this engineering uh, shakeup has panned out very well for. Uh, I think both Scott Pye and Mark Winterbottom have really found their home, so to speak. And of, I think, particularly Hidden Valley, and you, I think extended into Townsville as well, when you looked at those who were gaining positions consistently through the tyre limited races across the weekends, they were always gaining five, ten positions, and it was through good strategy and good tyre management. So very impressed with Team 18 this season. Yeah. Um, the teams are here, so we talked about car 18, Mark Frosty Winterbottom and James Golding. 
uh, refugee coming over from Gary Rogers. That's an am- Beebs. Beebs. That's an amazing. He's back. He's back. Really good pickup for the team. And in car twenty, Scott Pye with Dean Fury. I am going to ignore number tw- uh, car twenty for now and just yep. focus on car eighteen. That pairing is a fantastic opportunity for Golding to develop more as a driver with someone super duper experienced next to him. Uh, and it's great to see Beebs back in a supercar after being uh, an unlucky casualty. Uh, uh, what's, the fr- what's the phrase? Uh, innocent innocent uh, party to the implosion that was boost. A by party starts with C. I'm looking for it. A collateral damage. Yes. There we go. To the whole Gary Rogers, uh, Boost Mobile, Peter Addington, V8 Supercars thing. Um, and uh, for those who don't... Uh, don't really jump at the name James Golding. He was the one who had that massive accident in the uh, Gary Rogers car driving with Garth Tander at Sandown, where um, on the on the first lap, broken front suspension into the wall at turn six. This was twenty seventeen, I think. Yes, twenty seventeen, twenty. Yeah, one of those years. One one of those years they had a big crash at turn eight. You know that one. Oh, um, so every year from nineteen seventy one to now. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That was, yeah, that that's the joke. Um, but seriously impressive, Steerer has been doing great things in S5000 last season uh, and has, yeah, not really had the opportunity to really show what he can do yet, I don't think. But I think this one will be a good chance. And they could be a smoky for a good result with yeah. Winterbottom and Golding. Frosty's had a great year, and all yeah. told. I think it's... everyone was writing him off, but he's come back somewhat. It's the renaissance of the Frosty man, honestly. He's... He's really shown that uh, he he never lost the talent. Uh, and you can kind of see that sometimes with older drivers. As they start to phase out, they start to lose their talent. But no, nah, the quality is definitely still there. It's just something was wrong in that environment at Tickford for him. So, yeah, he seems to have found a, a better place. It seems to be that Tickford fourth car syndrome. Mm, yeah, <laughs> say that again. <laughs> um, and then the car 20, Scott Pye... He's had a very good year as well. He's had three podium finishes so far. And he's just behind his teammates in the standings. Uh, mm. Six points separates them. Ninth and tenth, both in the top ten. Yep. I think... And then you've got Dean Fiore, who's pretty solid as a co-driver. I just don't Thorough, know. Thoroughly Thoroughly solid. unexciting, yes. I would say, Dean Fiore. Yes. Uh, he'll, get, he'll get you to the finish. And in this race in particular, having someone that will get you to the finish and knows their way around a supercar is vital because, we haven't mentioned this yet, this is the only endurance race for the year. These guys have had no endurance practice. Yeah, that's a great point that we haven't really touched on. Uh, Normally we'd have uh, Sandown or a 500 race for co-drivers to to get in. Normally there'd be co-driver sessions throughout the year for people to do testing and uh, stuff like that and ride days and stuff like that. But as it happens with the circumstances of this year, none of that has happened. So these guys are going to be stepping into a supercar for the first time this year at Bathurst in the co-driver only practice. It's not scary at all. No, not even, not even a thing. Chicken wing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, uh, Dean Fiore to me is thoroughly unexciting. Uh, it's like the the milk toast of supercar co-driver appointments. What it's... on earth is milk toast? <laughs> oh, haven't you heard that expression? No. It's like, it's, it's something used very much in like uh, describing like film and TV as like 
you know, to describe a character as very bland and middle of the road and, you know, thoroughly underwhelming. It's just... Ah, so, yeah. that's, so that's how they describe my life. Cool. Awful. Self-burn. <laughs> um, yeah, but Dean Fury, he's yeah, always been mid-pack, even in Super 2. So solid, but nothing special. Car rating should be the crux of this one. Can they crack the top 10? Uh, with the 18 car? Yeah. Almost certainly. How far would you put him up? Top 5? Or is that asking too much? I reckon if the circumstances fall their way, they could be on for a podium. I know, I know that's big, considering the quality of some of the other driver lineups in the field. But crazier things have happened. Remember, Paul Morris has won this race. This is okay? true. This is true. This is very so, true. I'm not prepared to go top three. But I reckon not half the top 10. And I reckon the 20 could just sneak in as well to the 10. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so we should move on to the next car in the pit lane. And that is the first Ford we're going to talk about. The Kelly Racing Mustangs. First year of the Mustangs for these guys. Uh, Two-car team, car seven, Andre Heimgartner and Dylan O'Keefe. And car 15, the first of the pairings from last year, Rick Kelly, Dale Wood. Kelly Racing, they've had a bit of a year, haven't they? They've had a bit of a year. Uh, They are one of the teams that had to relocate from Melbourne in 48 hours, and they did so by going to the family farm on on the New South Wales side of the border near Majura. Yep, they got there. I reportedly at twelve oh eight they got to the farm, so yeah, just I, made it. I think they, I think they said they had like fifteen minutes to spare across the border. Yeah, so very, 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 very close uh, for them. Uh, they've not had the easiest of seasons. Uh, of course, building two Mustangs over the off season was a big undertaking themselves, and they did a tremendous result from that. But they've been very public about the fact that their engine isn't as optimized as they want it to be. They're still holding on to a lot of weight that they haven't managed to tune out of that engine through better machining. And, you know, Although more, uh, they've said they've started doing that. They Yeah, they've started doing that, but it still takes time for those uh, well, those improvements to be, you know, found at the track. Because I think they're only just getting the new engines at Bathurst. Uh, and... You know, they haven't been tested in a race situation yet. There's no telling whether or not they've compromised them in some way. They could suffer reliability issues. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, race for them. They've done an admirable result, uh, admirable job this season, uh, albeit an inconsistent result. Heimgartner had a podium at Sydney Motorsport Park very early on in the season and then has been relatively quiet since. Rick has not really done too much i've got to say yeah he's sort of just been there i mean it's his his team he's not going to go anywhere but having said that the races in the second half of the season have really been better Mm. and honestly i think downsizing from forecaster two was the best decision that they've made in recent times Mm. and dylan o'keefe and andre heimgartner that is a lineup that I am going to keep very keen eyes on because, again, Dylan O'Keefe, a developing young driver, again, uh, in the GRM stable, running the Alfa Romeo in the TCR uh, class. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Alfa Romeo, Julieta, Um, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, and, I, yeah, I, I'm keen to see how he does. I, I don't quite think these guys have the quality in an endurance aspect to be up the front for the whole race. But uh, in saying that, Heimgartner last year was the 
last of the cars on the lead lap as the race started to kick off. So uh, if I remember correctly, last year, there was a group of about seven cars that really separated themselves at the head of the field, and he was a part of that. And then uh, it was only the very ending stage of the race where he put it in the fence at uh, Forest Elbow with a lap left that uh, kind of put pay to his challenge. But yeah, I'm excited to see the number seven car. Yeah. Dylan O'Keefe, of course, has raced WTCR this year. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, he did round one over at um, Belgium, at Zolder. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> How do you do? Uh, mid, mid-pack both races, but WTCR is a hell of a series to do well in. Yeah. <laughs> he and he had qualified his teammate. I know that much, so... That should didn't do too bad. Impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So, Car 7 is, is definitely the better of the two, I think. But having said that, Rick Kelly, Dale Wood, there aren't many more experienced pairings in terms of race laps they've done and race laps they've done with each other. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. And that's something that uh, is certainly a factor at Bathurst. There's the Bathurst aspect and there's the working with the teammates. Because remember, you've got to set up a car that's compliant to both drivers. And so having someone that you are very familiar with their driving style and how they like their cars set up is very, very important. Yeah, so you, I know Dingo in chat saying that Kelly, one of the Kelly cars could be top five. I'm not convinced on that. Nah, nah. But I think Andre, it, it, I think Andre might be just outside the ten or just in the ten. I reckon just in the ten. I don't quite think they have the same quality in the full race package, meaning car engineering and drivers, as they did last year. So I would say just outside the ten. Yep. So the next team up in the pit lane is Brad Jones Racing. First time this, these guys have had a four-car team. We'll deal with the cars that are less likely to start with, I guess. Uh, car three, McCauley Jones and Tim Blanchard. Car four, Jack Smith, Jack Perkins. The Jack Attack. Jack Attack. Uh, Macca and Blanchard. Macca, we're still waiting for him to kick on. He'll get there eventually, I believe. Go Macca. Uh, Blanchard, it's his REC. He can do whatever he wants. That's mm-hmm. fine. Actually, I am more impressed with Blanchard as a co-driver than yes. I am as a main game driver. Yep. He uh, seems to, as a co-driver, he just knows what where to do or what to do with the car to bring it home to give your guy the best chance of success. Yeah. When he had the wild cars last season at Barber Gallo, he was actually quite impressive. Oh, that beautiful like, Petronas car. When, yeah, when did Tim Blanchard become the Stig? Did he, like, go into the, the trailer and, like, transform or something? It is it the Stig's so, like... Australian cousin! <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the Jack Attack, Jack Smith. Okay. Uh, Jack Perkins. <laughs> Diplomatic. Uh, unfortunately, uh, has been shuffled away from Walkinshaw. Um, but... I'm sure he'll enjoy uh, a race around Bathurst. Uh, always nice to have laps around Bathurst. You don't get uh, many opportunities to do so, uh, considering it's technically a city street. So if he's going to be able to get paid to have some laps, might as well. I think Jack Smith will learn a few things, though. I mean, if, mind you, if, you, can can't learn from, if you can't learn from Brad. <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> um, so I'm not expecting either of these cars to really be challenging the front end. No. Nah. Not even close. But the, I'd be I'd be surprised to see either of these cars break the top fifteen. Yeah. But the other two, oh boy. Car eight, Nick Perkett, Thomas Randall. Car fourteen, Todd Hazelwood, Jordan Boys. Yeah. Wow. I like both these lineups a lot. Oh yeah. Uh let's talk about the fourteen first. Mm-hmm. Hazelwood and Boys. Hazelwood has been so close to breaking through 
through for a victory this year. He's at a pole position at Townsville as well. So a very impressive running from him. He's just not quite had the whole package there at the right time, at the right point of the race, I think has been Hazelwood's problem. And when he has had things there, something's gone wrong. It's either been a pit stop drama or something's broken on the car or there was, yeah, mm. it's, something's just not quite worked out for him. So uh, he's done a good season. Jordan Boys, uh, if I'm not mistaken, took his first Super 2 victory last year at Sandown in the changing conditions. I'm pretty sure that was it. For image racing. Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, and up until then, I hadn't really heard too much about him. He's not really been a, a driver massively on my radar. Uh, you know, Super 2 Series has... Uh, he's been in it for the last three seasons, has a 22nd and a 7th last year. And last year's Super 2 Series was quite devoid of quality mm-hmm. as well, I'll say. I mean... Um, but he, he, they say you're only good as your last race, and he won the last Super 2 race at Newcastle. Yeah, so... And a podium, and one at Sandown before that. Yeah, so coming up, uh, he did come off a, a good end to the season last time out. So yeah. I, I'm i not convinced. I'm not convinced, for example, like, uh, he's certainly not uh, Zane Goddard or Dylan O'Keefe. Let's put it that way. But there are signs there that he could become that, so... Oh, yeah, of course. And he's only 22, so he's got time to develop. Mind you, Harold Sold Hazelwood? <laughs> uh, only 22? <laughs> Uh, Possibly. Qu- quick Wikipedia check tells me that he is 25. Oh, well, there you go. He's a bit older. Um, So, yeah. So, boys, maybe want to keep an eye on. But let's talk about that number eight car. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Nick Perkett, I think he's gone from being a shit stirrer to being a guy that, and a guy that no one really liked. He's really matured. And now, Brad Jones, he's just stepped it up another level and... It's become quite the race car driver. He's remember he's taken a few wins this season. Course, he's got wins at uh, what was it? Two at Sydney Olympic Park uh, this season. Uh, Sydney- oh yeah, not Sydney Olympic Park. Um, <laughs> Sydney <laughs> Motorsport Park. Yeah, won the won the race tour at both both times of asking there. Of yeah. course, and of course, and a second at Hidden Valley. Of course, he's won Bathurst. Let's not forget. Mm, yeah, of course, the rookie <laughs> in the pro, right? Twenty eleven. Yeah, um, and pairing him with. Thomas Randall, who is another young up-and-comers who I think is possibly one of the best up-and-comers we've got. He should he should have been in a V8 supercar seat this year, yep. is how good Thomas Randall is. Um, uh, of course, he's had a tumultuous 2020 outside of uh, racing and uh, the normal yes. way of the world that we have. Um, overcoming testicular cancer. Which so, is, yeah, that's absolutely... Good effort on them to even be here because that's not, yeah that's no fun yeah <laughs> yeah I bet um, so but even even aside from that his racing performance speaks for itself mm. uh, in terms of his Super Two results uh, could have taken the Super Two championship uh, not last year but the year before um, was by far and away the best rookie the first year that he was in and yeah I I'll say it I'll say it until the cows come home should have been in a V8 supercars ride this year. Um, yeah. And I, I think he would have been had Kelly stayed at four cars. Quite likely, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and uh, let's not forget as well, uh, has a V8 Supercars podium uh, to his name. Uh, got third place with Lee Holdsworth at last year's Sandown 500. He, he absolutely did. 
And once we got that, you didn't you didn't expect me saying that, did you? No, Actually, no, you didn't remember that. I did not remember that. But no, this is a lot. You talk about podium cars. Brad Jones Racing always seems to pull out something special at Bathurst. Mm. This year, it could be that. Fingers crossed. Mm. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. I have been very much endeared to Nick Perkett and Todd Hazelwood this season. I think Brad Jones has done a terrific job. Uh, and he's another one of the guys who has used the engineering restrictions to better the team uh, dynamic. So I, I think Brad Jones has made a good step this year, and I hope they kick on from it. Indeed. Podium chance for you? Oh, chance definitely. Confirmed, no. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next team. We've got uh, the next car, the Walkinshaw Andretti United Commodores. Uh Another of these teams that's been on the road for five months. They're based out at Melbourne. Not far from me, actually. Uh, drivers here. Car number two, Bryce Forward and Kurt Kostecki. And car 25, Chaz Mostert and Warren Luff. Oh. Ever, another evergreen driver. Yeah. This, these guys have been based at SeaWorld, I think it is, of all places. No, not SeaWorld. <laughs> um, one of the worlds up on Gold Coast. <laughs> Movie World, that's sure. the one. Sure, okay. Basically, Warren Luff, he works there at his day job as a stunt driver. I think he just said, hey. Oh, yeah, of he, course. He just said, hey, got a place for these cars? Sweet, come on in. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, okay, that worked out well. <laughs> and they've just been up there for five months living on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, how has Bryce Fullwoods uh, met or not met your expectations this season? How would you rate his season so far? Mm. It's been, I mean, he said, he said flashes of brilliance. Let's not forget, he did come third at the bend, the first race. But it's been disappointing, especially when you look at how Chazzy's going. Okay, yeah. But we've seen it from Walkinshaw in the past. They can never get two cars in the same place at the same time. <laughs> no, they, the, the, their problem is exactly that. Either they've got one car at the head of the field and one car at the arse end of the field, or they've got both cars in the same spot and they're literally tripping over each other. It's been walking towards problem for years. Um, and, and it's continuing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, best result. He's had three top tens and with the best result of third, so not quite as as prolific as you'd want him to be. Um, and pairing up with Kirk Stecky as well, another one of the Kostecki brothers, uh, who hopefully this time will actually see the start. Uh, was it Kurt last year who uh, had the cool suit, yeah. cool suit or the helmet fan? Uh, helmet fan, helmet fan it was, yeah. Which, for those, who, for those who don't understand science, carbon dioxide in your helmet? No bueno. Bad time, bad time. Uh, so hopefully he'll be actually be able to see the start this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... I'm, yeah, not quite impressed as much as I would have liked with Fullwood. And part of that, as you said, is due to how good Mostert's season has been in uh, in comparison. Because Mostert came out of the gate swinging and he he got a podium the first week out at Adelaide. He did. Uh, since then, I think being on the road hasn't helped his morale a bit, but he's had, but Townsville was a great weekend with three podiums out of the six races. Uh, a few other top 10 scattered through. And he's currently fifth in the standings. Uh, so the well, basically the best of the rest if you take out the big three. Yeah, the only thing missing from Mostert's championship so far is a win. That's uh, mm. really, if you were walking short, if you said, you know, top five in the championship uh, and uh, a bunch of podiums and a race win for your first season in uh, Commodore, that would be a great achievement. Um, 
Yeah. And there is a non-zero chance he could get that with Luffy. Uh, Luff has a history of doing very well at this race. <laughs> he is the perfect co-driver and like he's quick enough, doesn't break it, and will always put you in position every time. The only problem for, for Luffy, though, is that he's never actually won this race. Mm. He, he's got a trio of third places, uh, two with Craig Lowndes, one with Garth Tander, um, and a pair of second places with Scott Pye. Uh, has not broken through for a victory. And this is probably the most consistent gun for hire uh, as far as co-drivers go in the V8 Supercars field. Yes. So this car, I expect to be challenging for a podium. I can't see it being on it, but I expect to see the 25 challenging. The two, Kurt Kostecki, I think, is the second best Kostecki in the race. But I can't see that car inside the 10. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, as much as much as I hate to agree with you, someone does have to miss out on the top 10. I yeah. think that one, the number two, fits the bill. Uh, I reckon the 25 could fit in that very crowded top five, mm-hmm. um, but certainly top 10, I, I think. Yeah. For yeah. That. And I expect Chaz to give it his all, as long as he doesn't do a two, three years ago where he tried to mount the barrier. Just just as long as... As long as Mostert keeps his car away from Cam Water's car, they'll be fine. Just never let them come close together. It's like, if they ever get close together, just pull them into the pits. Just someone yeah. get them away Bo- from each box other. Box now, box now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so five teams, uh, five, ten, math, hard. Next, Obvious. Next car on the list is another team that's been based in Melbourne that's had to be on the road. And I think... That's had a massive effect on this team's performance this year. Penrite Erebus Racing. Car 9, David Reynolds, Will Brown. Car 99, Anton Di Pasquale, Brody Kostecki. Those driver lineups. Look at those driver lineups. Those driver lineups are absolutely insane. David Reynolds and Will Brown. I think I talked about this last year. It's basically like David Reynolds and David Reynolds' twin as far as personality goes. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And Will Brown... My God, he can steer a race car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, again, would be one of those those drivers very unfortunate to miss out on a supercars drive this year. Um, I think he has been basically promised a drive for next year. So unless this, unless Betty turns the team into friggin' Sauber F1, uh, you'd be seeing Will Brown on the grid next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Brody Kostecki and Deeper Squally as well. Very, very good lineup. Very interested to see how they go. But you were a hundred percent correct in your assessment of their season, in terms of their their existence on the road and how much that has troubled them. They have been the biggest disappointment across the whole season, and that's including getting a race win. And uh, apart from that one race win at Darwin, they have been nowhere. Not with Anton, and not with uh, Reynolds. And the fact that Reynolds sits outside the top ten in the championship after last year being lauded as a championship contender really goes to show how much Mm. the engineering makeup of that team affects uh, the psyche of those people in the garage. I think Erebus is a team that very much runs on passion and on emotion. And when it goes wrong, boy, has it gone wrong. It's like the Ferrari F1. Yes, yeah, that's actually a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah, because, because they're running somewhat passionate this year and look what's happening. But Davey's come out and said his engineer, because his engineer's in Melbourne with his kids, which is totally fair enough. But Because he's in the fair enough him not being on the road, but that's 
affected him quite a lot. Barry Ryan's doing a lot more hands-on work than I think he would want to be doing. And I think, maybe, mm. and if I'm being honest, the team wanted to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not a fun-looking environment to be in at the moment. Yeah. I think Barry Ryan, he's a great manager of an operation, but... I would not like him to be my race engineer. No, <laughs> I don't think that pa- I don't think that pairing Barry Ryan and David Reynolds is a good pairing, and I think the results has shown that mm. um, because Davey hasn't taken a win this season, has he? No, he has not. His best result has been a fourth place. He's had a couple. Hasn't of- even got a podium. Yeah. yeah, I normally I would be all over these guys for a good Bathurst result. Remember, Davey won it in 2017 with Yulden, and that was probably the best Bathurst race ever because it was just so off the walls and should have won it in 2018 were it not for uh, his physical conditioning falling apart in the last start, part of the race. But the based on the way the team has suffered through 2020, I can't even give mm. him a look in. I... I I don't believe that. I don't believe they can do it. Yeah, which is a shame because these four drivers are quality. David Reynolds, we know quality. He's mm. locked in for another eight years with this team. Antoine Di Pasquale is, if you believe the rumours, on the move next year. He to an upgraded car. Will Brown is. He should be a full time driver already. Let's just be honest yep. here. Yeah. <laughs> and Brady Kostecki, the best of the Kostecki's, is an absolute gun in the making as well. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't even think they'll hit the top five. Top 10. I'm, that's, yeah, I, I reckon think, that's the limit. I, yeah. Which is, which is, which is a bit of a shame because you want to, you want to believe in these teams. You want to believe that they'll be able to pull it out, but signs mm. point to no. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the honest truth. Yes. Fun fact, Brody Kostiki raced NASCAR for a couple of years in the K&N Pro Series. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes, right. That's gross. I hate it. <laughs> That'll keep the Americans interested. Apparently, uh, Charlotte was a mess, so I have to watch that one. Oh, uh, is this IMSA? Oh, God. No, this is NASCAR, as in the, oh, okay. the road course. <laughs> oh, which IMSA was supporting, yeah, because yeah. I heard the IMSA was a mess as well. Yeah, awesome. So moving on to teams, I think we've got four teams, or three teams left, where the winner is most likely to come from. First of these teams, Tickford Racing. So we'll go through uh, these cars two at a time. We'll go through the Team B, if you like. Uh, car number five, Lee Holdsworth, Michael Caruso. And car 44, James Courtney and Brock Feeney. So in one car, you've got the odd couple. And in the other car, you've got the experienced man, the old man and the baby. <laughs> the odd couple, which is Lee Holdsworth, Michael Caruso, which those two just love each other. Oh, it's so good to see them back together. Isn't it? It's so good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, for those who've been only watching supercars in very recent history, Lee Holdsworth and Michael Crusoe were teammates back at Gary Rogers Motorsports in 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. And, oh, they were the most fun. Because yeah. they're both tiny, angry men. <laughs> <laughs> and they act like it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, both of them took their first V8 Supercars wins in that team, uh, went on to, to different things. Uh, Holdsworth, of course, heading to Stone Brothers first, then Team 18, and you know he's gone through the gamut. Mm. Uh, Caruso, he went through to the Norton Hornets, uh, and then 
has been bouncing around the co-driver circuit for a little while, but it is so cool to see them back together. Yeah, I I don't even care how well they do. I'm just going to be smiling <laughs> from ear to ear every lap that they do together. Yes. Now, Lee Hodsworth actually had an all right year so far. He's had a yeah, couple, couple of podiums. It's, 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 it's actually quite like Mark Winterbottom has seen a little bit of a renaissance in form. Mm. And we know Michael Crusoe is going to be fought perfectly fine as a race car driver. Now, the f- 44. This car has had a hell of a year. This car started out as a 23 red, 23 red racing with Will Davison in it. Then COVID happened. Milwaukee said, no, nah, we can't afford this anymore. Pulled out as the sponsorship. 23 red folded. Peter Addington, Mr. Boost, came in and said, oh, we'll sponsor this car, put in James Courtney, and put in Brock Finney for the Enduro. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, it feels a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, as much, I mean, I appreciate Peter Addington's commitment to motorsport, but just go away slightly. Just back it down <laughs> a notch. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, you got to say, though, the car looks friggin' awesome. Uh, it does. you got to say that. Um... And you've got to feel for Will Davison as well. Uh, I don't. Being... I, I don't feel for him. Oh, I, I feel I, for him I, a I bit. Feel, I, I feel for him on a human standpoint because mm. he was third in the championship after Adelaide. Remember yeah. that? Yes. He he had a, a, two top five finishes. He was looking very, very strong. And to lose a drive because of circumstances entirely out of your control, that must suck. Yeah. That must totally suck. Yeah, and he's had a hell of a year. Like, I'm... Pretty sure he had an in- when he was training on the Gold Coast. He had an incident with he and Rihanna getting involved. I think they've been hit by a bike, if I'm recording correctly. Far out. Okay, yeah. Damn. Um, they he's also had health. Is- well, Rihanna's had health issues. Rihanna's obviously been able- been stuck in Queensland while the circus is going around, so she can't even do a commentary gig. I think she did do. Uh, oh, yeah, she, few- yeah, she 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 did miss a few rounds. Yeah. Um. But I don't feel so much for Bill Davison for reasons we'll get to later. Oh yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he's because um, he's falling down nicely, parachuted in somewhere else. But yeah. Brock Feeney is who I want to talk about here. Go ahead. So he's 17 years old. He raced. He raced this year at the Bathurst 12 Hour in the Mark car with Nick Perker and Cameron. Cameron, the car that won its class by 100 laps and finished 15th overall. He's finished eighth. In Super 2 at Adelaide this year. He's also uh, won Super 3 last year. This kid can drive. Absolutely. This kid can drive. Now, the question I have for you is, why is this 17-year-old a year old allowed at Bathurst, but that other 17-year-old that Gary Rogers was trying to put in is not? Because he raced at Super 3. That's what Australia Series, which he won. Bang, there's your Super License points. Exactly. And... He, on top of that as well, he has quite a bit of backing behind him. Um, I think he's come through the Paul Morris Motorsport Academy or he, whatever it is. He has. Uh, keep an ear out for that. Paul Morris Motorsport might be in supercars next year. Ooh, that would be very exciting because mm-hmm. that way uh, Gary could get off his high horse about being the only one who brings young drivers into motorsport. Yes. Sorry, this has turned into a bit of a let's shit on Gary Rogers parade. Didn't mean to be, but he's just... He's been a bit dumb this week, yeah, unfortunately. He's showing his 85,000-year-old age. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as much as Paul Morris is a bit of a flog, uh, he does ha- has really got an eye for good talent as well. Mm. So um, I think Chaz Mostert was a Paul Morris uh, 
Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, um, wasn't uh, Scott Pye as well? Yep. Uh, Nick Perkett, I, I have a feeling as well. Mm-hmm. And then this group of young guys, you know, uh, Camillari, which is another Super 3 driver that uh, was in mm-hmm. the mix, Everingham, Feeney. These guys are all come through because of Morris really pushing the, uh, the envelope for him. Yes. But I think, bottom line, this car is going to be fun to watch, see how Brock goes, but the 44 ain't going to be anywhere exciting. The 5, Lee Hosworth, Michael Caruso, could be in the 10. I actually think the other way around. I think yeah. uh, Courtney's experience and Feeney's exuberance will do both of them well. Um, Courtney has been showing this year that painfully he still has it, which is annoying, but oh well. Um, uh, whereas I don't think Holdsworth and Caruso as a combination stacked up against the other combinations. Um, but I am way more... I, I'm just in to watch Holdsworth and Caruso have fun. Yes. It would be an absolute tragedy if they had a mechanical problem yes. uh, and had to uh, stop racing. Absolutely. So we should probably talk about the other two Tickford cars. These ones, I think, you and I and ingredients are going to be the stars of the Tickford racing forwards. Car number six, Cameron Waters, Will Davison. Holy... Yep. And car 55, Jack LeBrock and James Moffat. You first. Now, let's go car 55. So... Why is James Moffat back? <laughs> I thought we were done for this. <laughs> so did I, but no, he just managed to find his way back into a Tickford drive with Jack LeBrock, one of the more exciting-ish youngsters who's had a win this year in the podium, but not much else. We're done with this. Yeah, I thought so. I thought we were done with this, and I... Yeah, look. This is the... This, I don't know what to make of this car. I, don't, I really don't. Um, yeah, well, he... Uh, Moffat was meant to be driving with Will Davison. That was the planned endurance lineup for the 23 Red team. Mm. Um, but it's... Yeah, it worked out that he's managed to find a seat at the super cheap car, which he's driven in the last few seasons. Um, actually has won the Enduro Cup in that car with Chaz Mostert a few years ago. Um, so apparently he can drive. I'm yet to believe it, but apparently that's true. Uh, LeBrock, LeBrock's had a bit of an up and down season. I am. He's had flashes of brilliance and flashes of not so brilliance. Um, currently sits 15th in the championship, sandwiched between the two Kelly racing cars. So that kind of tells you about where he is um, in the series. Uh, in fact, he is the lowest placed of the Tickford racing cars. Um, so, Yeah. Wait, does that include uh, James Courtney? It does. It does. Yeah, so, yeah, not... I, I'm mm. still waiting. I, I'm still waiting for LeBrock to really wow me. He did have that race win at Sydney Motorsport Park. That was pretty cool. Now he needs to back that up with consistency and not quite seeing that yet. Yep. I was hoping he might do a bit better after leaving the Techno Dumpster Fire. That was a 2018-2019 mm. seasons, but he hasn't really done it yet. But car six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, not bad for Will Davison in the end, you know. Okay, you lose your full-time drive, but here you go. Here's a ch- here's a race-contending car for a you to le- drive. Legitimate chance at winning another Bathurst crown. Yeah. 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 And you've got to say, based on, like, recent full-time supercars experience, that driver lineup has to be the best because Will Davison was driving this year mm-hmm. in a full-time capacity. Uh, so he has the experience, won Bathurst four years ago, 2016. Um, as I said, as we said a few few minutes ago, 
uh, has had two very good results at Adelaide in a Mustang before that team fell apart around him. And he's joining up with Cameron Waters, who took his first solo victory last round out at the Bend, is third in the championship Mm -hmm. and has really taken to the number one Tickford car. Yep. And yeah, he's only had two, uh, yeah, three race, four race finishes this season out of 31 races outside the top 10. Yeah. He is. That's, that's, Doing consistent. He's very consistent. My only knock will be I don't think this is the best driver lined up in the race. Oh yeah, I yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. But if they're not pushing for a podium position the last hour, they've had an issue. Yeah. And that issue probably will be Chas Mostert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the other car. Yeah. Just keep them apart yeah. and you'll be fine. Uh hello, uh is that is that the pit bay? Uh, yeah, Chas Mostert's twenty seconds behind me. I think I need to pit. <laughs> Can we put another car in between the two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feeny, just, just come up, just put, come, up, drop back a lap, just sit between the two of us. Play the gunner. Thanks, Brock. No, not you, Jack LeBrock. Ah! <laughs> because I think Jack LeBrock's also had a few issues with teammates in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great fun. So, that's our first of our podium contenders. We've got four cars left, and these four cars are top-notch. First team we'll talk about is the Shell of V-Power Racing, John, Dick Johnson Racing, Team Penske, Ford Austin. Falcon, amazing Ford piece Falcon? of kit. Ford what? Mustang. <laughs> bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> yes. So, the yeah, the Shell V-Power Racing Fords, DJR Team Penske, Car 12, Fabian Coulthard, Tony Delberto, same combination as last year, and then Car 17, Championship Elect, Scott McLaughlin, and... New for this year, Tim Slade. So let's talk car 12 first. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoroughly unsurprising, thoroughly unexciting. They will do what they do best, and that is circulate at a reasonable pace. Yep. And they'll yeah. be there for some wood to Bruce. God damn it. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. We, were still <laughs> we knew it was um, coming. Yeah. Although, honestly, like, Coulthard and Alberto doesn't really excite me. They kind of just exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for DJR Tim Penske, that's fine. They're not. It's very, very clear, despite however many ways Coulthard wants to spin it, that he's the number two, and that's the number two for the team. Um, and if they are in a position where they are able to help their contemporaries at the end of the race, then that is exactly where they need to be. Yeah, I think. I think that's the, probably the most polite thing we can say about it. Pretty much. Um, uh, but the other car, Tim Slade. That's a. I don't want to say it's a downgrade on Alex Prema because it always surprised me that Prema was as fast as he was. I mean, it is a downgrade in the sense of it's a former LMP1 driver. Yeah, there's that. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably a downgrade in checkbook size payments as well. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. Mm. Um, of course, Slade, it's, oh. it's important to note as well that this was announced well before COVID was even a thing. This is well yeah. before the Chinese bloke ate the bat. <laughs> yeah, this well maybe not that early, but it was certainly early. This is certainly pre-Adelaide. Mm. Um, so Slade, I I I want to believe that he's still got it, but towards the tail end of his time at Brad Jones Racing, you could start to see the competitiveness in his driving really fall away. Um, we have seen no drivers uh, like leave teams that are more mid-pack, jump into top-line teams, and all of a sudden become stupid quick. 
uh, Paul Dumbrell comes to mind and the Triple Eight yes. car. Yes. Um, and that kind of again shows how much the engineering side of things uh, has an effect on uh, on driving and on uh, the pace of the car. So it's entirely reasonable to assume that Tim Slade will be entirely up to speed because um, he's still a quick driver. Uh, has taken V8 Supercars wins before. I. I don't know. I, I just I just don't know. But then, of course, on the other hand, there's Scott McLaughlin, and like everything Scott McLaughlin's been touching has been turning to gold. So, yeah. yeah. And of course, this will possibly be Scott McLaughlin's last race in this series for a bit. Definitely his last one before he races an IndyCar the following weekend. Mm. Which is pretty nuts. Which is pretty crazy. Um, having said that, Tim Slade, was he in the California ADR car? That one? He was in the car, I believe that was also with Nick Perker. Mm. Or was it Nick Foster? I, want, I think it was one of the Nicks. Yeah. And he's also been driving that uh, Hubble Corsa car uh, in the Asian Le Mans series as well. Mm. So he certainly knows what he's doing behind a wheel of a GT car. He certainly knows what, he's, what he needs to do as a co-driver. And mm. I, I don't think they're going to lose too much. Because Prema was getting on a bit and getting a bit slower. I Like, it's... <sighs> Like, Premier was never really impressive, is the thing. Premier was never really impressive. Well, yeah, but, we, and we can say he's getting slower than that. Yeah, but he but he was good, and it was surprising how good he was, and it kind of just became the norm and the expectation. But it, it kind of came out of nowhere, because, oh, I don't know, Premier's inclusion in DJR Team Penske still confuses me. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, I this, this certainly has to be a potential race winner, simply because you have... Championship all like Scott uh, Scott McLaughlin behind the wheel. Yeah. And of course, this would be a big one for them because it's potentially Penske's last race, if rumours are to be believed. Uh, There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, potentially Scotty Mack's last race for a while. And from a completely uh, being a bastard point of view, I'm sure Ford would want to ride in Holden's Parade one last time. Yeah, they would, <laughs> wouldn't they? It would be, it would be the perfect, like, Screw you to send them out, right? Yeah. Just after after all you've done for Australian motorsports, we're going to beat you at your like biggest uh, like challenge, your biggest victory, your biggest point of uh, difference. Yeah. So how disgusting! So, how awful! So, so yeah. So the TLDR, the seventeen's gonna be on the podium most likely, just a matter of which step. Yeah. Yep. That brings us to the last team that we're going to talk about today. The Red Bull Holden Racing Team Commodores. This is the same lineup as last year. The card 97, Shane Van Gisberg and Garth Tander. Triple Eight, Jamie Winkert, Craig Lowndes. Who cares? Yeah, it <laughs> is a pair of scary, scary, scary driver lineups run by the scariest operation up and down pit lane. It's actually the only team where all four drivers have remained the same from last season. And as a fun fact, the first time Van Gisbergen has had the same driver lineup since moving to Triple Eight, oh, yes. uh, the same co-driver. Yes, of course it would be. Well, we had Earl Bamber. We had Alex Prema. Alex Prema, yes, indeed. Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. So yes, and we know these four drivers are quality. We know Garth Tander's a brilliant co-driver. We know Craig Lance has done more laps around here than any other driver in this race. Mm. Can you see a weakness here at all? No, no, not really. I um, can see one. What's what's your weakness? The team always finds a way to lose this race. 
<laughs> they are the Toyota of the Bathurst 1000 the last few years. Yes. I think um, I think I read something. The biggest competitor to Team to Team Triple Eight this year is Team Triple Eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, even in saying that, they certainly didn't lose the race last year. You could you could argue in in some years that they've lost the race. So what was it? Twenty fourteen, Wing Cup wasn't listening and they ran out of fuel. Twenty fifteen, the safety car thing. Twenty sixteen, the tire fell off and uh, Gizzy couldn't wrap up Davison at the end. Uh, twenty seventeen. Wait, no. Twenty twenty seventeen was when the tire fell off the. <laughs> Uh, Wink up, and yeah, Wink up tried to pass McLaughlin and put him in the fence, and that whole thing happened. Uh, and then 2017, Shane overdrove it because they messed up the tire pressures in the wet. And but you you have to say the last two years, uh, last year especially, they didn't lose that race. It was McLaughlin who won it at the end in that last lap dash. Uh, so I I don't quite think that voodoo holds as true anymore and especially not with with Lowndes and the team i think Lowndes, he's seen it done it lived it all yep. before which team which of the two cars is the stronger car Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to say the renumbered triple eight by a bees you know what well, they certainly have the most wins between them. Uh, I think out of the whole field. Well, of course, got, you've got Cray Lowndes in that team. I think they've got more wins than the entire field. Yes. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Because what? Right? Lowndes has seven. Wind Cup has... Four. Four. I believe. Six. Six. Has Wind Cup really got six? I think. No, I'm, I'm just going... No, sorry. Lowndes has seven. Yeah, and Wink Up has four. Four, yeah. Yeah, I got that right. You did get that right. So that's that's 11 between them. Let's have a look here. Tanda has three or two. I think Tanda has two. Mm-hmm. No, he does have three. Um, one with Will Davison in 2009 that everyone just forgets about. Um, so, okay, so Tan- Tanda has three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courtney doesn't have any. Uh, Mostert and Luff don't have any. Steve Owen, I think, has one as a co-driver to Mark Winterbottom, right? Yes. Uh, John O'Webb has one, so we're up to five. Uh, Mark Winterbottom has one. Scott McLaughlin has one. Rick Kelly has two. Uh, and Gizzy, Gizzy has one. No, Gizzy hasn't got one, what am I saying? Gizzy hasn't got one. David Reynolds has one, and that's ten. Uh, has Will Davison got one? Yeah. Uh, yes, he's got two. Okay, so... They, it, it's just, it's just, uh, and Mostert's got one, so it's thirteen versus eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so the Triple Eight driver lineup has almost as many Bathurst wins as the rest of the field combined, almost, almost. Yeah, that's absurd. So it's pretty. That's a pretty cool start. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, what we're saying is these two cars are likely to be on the podium as well. But with that comes a massive issue. One pit bay, double stacking. How do you manage that in an endurance race like this? Yeah, and it's something that is uh, more unique to an endurance race in this context than a lot of our listeners who follow us on Endurance Chat would be familiar with. It's not like Le Mans or the European Le Mans series or even IMSA where you have two 
pit bunkers or pit bays per outfit. You really do have to manage it like an F1 race um, in terms of who gets to pit when and who gets the advantage because we've seen in previous years, uh, particularly with Triple Eight, that they have lost this race because of the pit stacking. I think it was 2011 uh, wherein they lost... Uh, Mark Scaife and Craig Lowndes driving together lost to Nick Perkett and Garth Tander. And part of that was because for most of the day, they, uh, Lowndes and Scaife were behind Wink Up and his co-driver, who I... Uh, Dumbrell. Um, and then they had a problem late in the race and they... Uh, like they lost well they lost track position whatever um so all the time that they all the time and track position that Lowndes and Scaife had lost had come to bite them and they lost the race by two tenths of a second at the very end so you do have to manage that um and unfortunately there is no perfect way to do both yeah and that's the issue they're going to deal with um in a moment I'm going to ask you to pick your top three can but I get five? You can get, I'll give you five. Fine. You can have you, okay, can, have a, you can have a box trifecta. That's fine. Yay. But before we do, oh, there's a couple of other considerations about this race that I think we should mention. One, it's going to be wet, if you believe the long-range forecast from here. They're expecting, I think, it's a 60% chance of rain on Sunday. Ooh, that's tasty. Mm-hmm. So that's going to swing the favor, race in the favor of those guys who might be better in the wet having said that i remember i think it was 2017 in the wet where everyone just drove it like it was on a rails the first half of the race the best bathurst 1000 mm. in recent memory um yeah and it was all the co-drivers as well you had yeah. the gary the gary jacobson's the richie stanaway remember when he could drive <laughs> and luke luke yulden they were absolutely unflappable in the wet and then it was when it started to dry and all the main game drivers got in that everyone saw red and it all just turned into a mess yeah. Uh, another consideration for this year, I think, is the new pit rule. The sorry, the safety car rule that's in play. So, could you explain that to me? Because I'm not a hundred percent sure on how this rule has changed from different years. Basically, think wave around. Okay. Uh, in previous years, if you're stuck between the leader and the safety car, you go to the pit. You go through the pit. Drop behind. Yeah. Now you go around. Beautiful. So I'm guessing the logic here is you keep more people in the hunt for longer. Yeah. So you can get. So if you're, if you if you're if you're in the way of cars, on the lead lap, they'll pull you around, give you a chance. Sweet. I believe I believe that sums it up. I think Dingo's going to tell me I'm horribly wrong in chat. Give me a sec. <laughs> um. So yes, but basically, more more cars in it potentially for longer. Because one of the biggest issues issues at this race, especially now in the V8 supercar era, getting your lap back. And the other issue we're going to see, we talked about it before, first enduro race, rusty co-drivers, rusty teams. First time they've actually put fuel stops in, in a live race all season since Adelaide. Yeah. First time they've first time they've actually had to, for most teams, change four tyres and brake pads. So the potential for finger trouble is right up there. With all of that in mind, give me your five. I think you have to put both triple eight cars in there. I don't think you can get away with not putting both of them in there. So I'm going to say 97 triple eight. I don't think you can get away with not putting the 17 in there either. So Scott McLaughlin, Tim Slade. So there you go. That's that's three already confirmed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the matter is, who do you add to that? 
you could go uh, Waters and Davison. You could go Mostert and Luff. Um, made mention Percat Randall as well. Uh, and Winterbottom Golding. There's, there's so many good options you could chuck in there. Um, I reckon I am going to throw in... I did I did go pretty hard for Winterbottom and Golding, so I'm going to put those guys in. And uh, Percat and Randall, let's do that. So that's my top five. I'm going to go, yeah, the, the 7, the 17, 18, uh, 97, and triple eight. Okay. So 17, obviously. Yeah, you'd be yeah. mad not to. Yeah, so McLaughlin, Slade. Yep. I don't think I can put both Red Bull cars in there. What? Partly because one, I hate Red Bull, the drink. And two, I just reckon something's going to go wrong for one of them. So I'm going to put... Tell the, him he's dreaming. So I reckon the eighty, the triple eight. Oh, God, you should think so. Yeah, tell him he's dreaming for sure. Um, <laughs> the car six, the Waters-Davison thing. And got two more there. I'm reckon the Chaz Moss at Warren Luff, number 25. And a little bit of a smoky car seven, Andre Heimgarten and Dylan O'Keefe. Bugger it. You're, you're jumping on the Kelly train. Bugger it. Why not? Fair enough. They did very, very well last year. I was mm. distraught when Heimgartner found the wall on the, the last lap, I think it was, the second to last lap. Yeah. And of course, I've just written off um, Winterbottom Golding, which we both know is probably going to be right up there as well. And you wrote off Van Gisbergen and Tander. Yeah, but I've can't, I can't. I don't want to be boring. I'm oh, not... well, I mean, you can be boring, Chris, or you can be right. And while you're over there being cool and interesting and, oh, look at me with all my black horses, I'll just stick with being right. Hey, I've been locked in my house for five months. I'm allowed to have a bit of fun. <laughs> You've gone stir-crazy. <laughs> I have. And I think that just about sums us up. Uh, any, I guess we should talk about how you want to watch the race, because I assume that's what you listen to this podcast for. Yeah. Uh, if you're in Australia, I think it's on free-to-air on Channel 10, it I is. think. It is. Uh, uh, I should mention last year, the Channel 10 coverage of this as well. Oh, uh, yeah, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, Channel 10 is just destroying its entire sports uh, programming, which... You know, a decade on from buying an entire digital uh, sports TV network, yeah. a channel to run just sports is kind of sad, but you know, whatever. Um, uh, if you have the means, it'll also be on Foxtel and or KO. Uh, and the Bathurst channel for that has just started. So I was watching hour-long reviews of old Bathurst today. It was great. Um for those internationally, I think your only legitimate option, unless you are able to find it on a pay service or free-to-air service in your region, is Superview. And I think you do have to buy the whole season of Superview, which oh. is actually ridiculous. So, unless you're willing to shell out 50 bucks to watch one race, I'd recommend just pirating it. What? what? I didn't say that. Please note, endurance chat does not condone illegal activity. But yeah, like if you if you do want to watch this one race, and like fifty dollars is a, a, a yeah. insane amount of money to buy to pay for one race. It is. So find other means. Yes, uh, we'll have. Oh, I say we. I'm not involved in the sub at all. But there'll be the usual race chat stuff and discussions yep. on uh, on VH Supercar subreddit and in Discord as well. There's a VH Supercar Discord. 
if you're on the WC Discord, I'm sure there'll be people talking about the race in there as well. And it promises to be an absolute fantastic day, race, race days. Action kicks off on Thursday. Support categories include Super 2, Super 3, Toyota 86, and Tin Tops. Tin Tops. Which yep. has been one of the best things to come out of COVID. Just the Tin Top series. The everyone just bring cars. Just yeah. bring them. Just bring whatever. Who cares? Just bring them. Yeah, bring whatever the hell you got in your garage and put it on the track. Honestly, that's like Australian motorsport in a nutshell at a local level. It's been really, really cool. And I think at the bend, especially the the Tin Top series, like that's that's exactly what you want to see. So uh, it's good to see that they're doing that at Bathurst as well. And I think uh, a lot of international eyes on that event will give these guys who normally don't have a chance to sign to shine rather like say maybe this uh what's his name nathan uh hearn uh hearn yeah that one uh you know he's going to be racing a, a tin top at bathurst someone will be watching if he turns it on so hey if yeah he, if, if he does uh jordan cox around the mountain yeah, exactly. And now Cox is driving a t- uh, Australian TCR car, so <laughs> it you know anything's possible. Exactly. Um, I also want to add as well. Uh, you already made a, a brief mention of it, but I really want to harp on. First time for co-drivers. First <laughs> time they're going to get their butts in the seat all year. First time the teams are really going to be uh, doing a multi-day event. You know, uh, every single race this year besides Adelaide has been you're you're there for the weekend and that's it. So it's going to be very different for the teams to have a drawn-out program over four days. First time we're doing refueling since Adelaide. First time we're doing endurance tyre stops over since Adelaide. First time we're doing uh, brake changes all season. It's There's really a lot of factors at play here, and it will be the teams that are able to deal with that level of complexity coming back into it that will do well. And that's why I don't think you can write off either triple eight car because triple eight have shown time and time again that they are one of the best drilled outfits of the of the campaign and so i don't think i i think it's more likely for other teams to run into uh personnel and complication problems than it is for triple eight to don't tell me i'm wrong I mean, again, you can either be interesting or you can be right. <laughs> yeah, but where's, where's the fun of being right? And on, and I mean, I mean, I've got a, would, I've got a car, would, would, I, I've got a toy car sitting here in front of me for being right for the picker of the twenty seventeen Bathurst, the twenty eighteen. But Bathurst. you know, we've done this podcast for five years. How often have I been right? Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. You, you do have a low strike. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Chris. good. And on that massive downer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. It's been a time. Thank you, Michael, for joining me this evening. No problems. It's always great to talk to you yeah. because with the Kiwi. It is. Uh, your regularly scheduled programming will be back in the near future. With uh, what's coming up? We got with a Le Mans. Le Mans. We still haven't talked about Le Mans yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Daylight Savings has thrown me through a loop. We've got to get... We'll, we'll figure it out. I promise. And It'll happen. And there's also the Spa 24 preview to come. There's also ELMS wrap-ups. There's all sorts coming. So stay tuned. There's also yep. Petit Le Mans this weekend as well. Yes. So make sure you stay tuned to the Endurance Chat podcast. So give us a subscribe on Spotify or whatever, however you listen to podcasts, like our YouTube channel. All that sort of fun stuff. Uh, until, until next time we blast your ear with drums... I'm Chris Rizal, that's Marcus Zalavari. We'll see you next time. Peace out!
Good evening. Oh, okay. <laughs> Couldn't even get through the first two words. Couldn't even get through the first two words, Kiwi. Come on. Uh, 